business. I got my wild cherry diet Pepsi, and uh, I got my blackjack gum here, and I got that feeling. Mm. Yeah, that familiar feeling that something rank is going down out there. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you, I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Get together, have a few laughs. you! As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You ever seen a grown man naked? Anybody move, I'll blow your fucking head off. And the medic gets out and says, Oh my God. I'm your Huckleberry. My advice to you is to start drinking heavily. Put that coffee down. Rolling this calls for the old Billy Barul. That's a huge bitch! The royal penis is clean, your highness. Hey, where are the white women at? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's over, Johnny. It's over! Ah, uh, no, no. It is just beginning. It is Saturday night. It is THT Movie Review. What is going on, everybody? Hope everybody's doing great on this Saturday night. Ah, uh, I am Boxman, as usual, right beside me. Anthony, what is going on, bro? Anthony, where did you go? Um, oh, what's going on, bro? I have found Anthony. Look at that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is going on, man? How are you doing? Doing good. Ready to get into this movie, bro. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. This is, man. We uh, we did Wayne's World 2, uh, 1 last week. Uh, decided, you know, we haven't done a, a back-to-back. We tried with uh, Eddie and the Cruisers 1 and 2, but, you know, it didn't really work out that well, and I rushed through the second one. But uh, we decided to go ahead and do Wayne's World 2 this week. Hope that uh, yeah, we can do this one nice and easy. And it should be pretty easy. We don't have to go through all of the cast. There's a few new people in this one. Uh, there's definitely a new director. Obviously, we spoke uh, last week about the issues uh, between Mike Myers and the, the director of the first movie. So they did get a new director. This The director actually refused. They tried to bring her back, and she refused to work with Mike Myers again. And... And the rumor uh, was that Mike Myers kind of had her sort of blackballed from directing movies. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of weird, but uh yeah, he did um but yeah, that was the uh the rumor going around is that he sort of blocked her from directing, but she did direct the Beverly Hillbillies the same year this movie came out. Uh this movie did come out 1 year after 
the you know original Wayne's World. Um, now, before we get too deep into the movie, I dropped a little news on Anthony, and I'm not sure who else knows about this. Um, but a show we've spoke about before, uh, we've talked about the ending a ton of times on this show. How you know I actually really like the ending of The Sopranos, and um, I know a lot of people were upset with it, but I thought it made sense. I actually really liked the ending. So, you know, there was that. But uh, just when you thought, you know, you, we don't have James Gandolfini anymore. And um, they are making a prequel to The Sopranos. It's going to be a little different. It's not going to be what anyone thinks it is. Um, really, what they're going to do is they're going to go back into the 60s. And kind of show you some things about the Newark riot, the Newark riots in the '60s. Movie's going to be called "The Many Saints of Newark." From right now, that's the working title, and it's going to focus on the time in New Jersey where you know deadly clashes between the African Americans and the uh, the Italians of Newark. So it should be pretty good, man. They're saying so. You know, some of the characters are going to be back in the movie. So you know, it's going to be weird. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are already hoping, well, I hope it has a less abrupt ending. So, <laughs> well, well, Box, you know what this means, What right? does this mean, sir? Coming soon to the THC mm. Movie Review, Box members, Anthony, Electric Boogaloo. Whoa. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo, I love it. That was a good movie, man. I, I like both the breaking movies, to be honest with you. <laughs> No, I mean, I mean, honestly, you know, you know, you just mentioned, you know, we lost James Gandalf. This is probably the the best, the next best thing. I mean, they kind of like set on it for so long, then he passed away prematurely, and I mean, obviously, nobody was expecting that, you know, right. too soon. But it's one of those situations where this is the best way to go about it. If you want to continue to milk that cow, do a prequel. Don't try to, you know, do a situation because you can't replace James Gandalf. Correct. So this is the best. This, this is the best way. Of, so I'm not upset about this because at least it's, a, it's almost like his rise to power type scenario is the best way they can do it. Now let me ask yeah. you this: uh, I can't remember her name offhand, but you remember the woman that played his mother in the first season? I do remember her, and I can't remember her name either. And uh, obviously, she had—I think she had died like between seasons, between the first and the second season—and they used clips of her, you know, like, from the cutting room floor in the mm-hmm. second season to kind of keep that going. Do you see them trying to, like, uh, do that with uh, James Gandolfini? Any, like, clips that they had left over that they never kind of put out there, you know, kind of squeeze in? I don't think so. Almost like a hologram type of deal? No, I don't think so because, I mean, let's think about it. This is going to be back in the 60s. At this point, Gandolfini would have been a child. So they could use a kid and just say, that's Tony. You know what I mean? That's, that's all they have to do at this point. So like you said, you know, this is the right way to go about doing this. In my, I, I think you're 100% right about that. But yeah, I mean, you pretty much said it. If they're going to keep milking this cow, you know, going back to that well, this is definitely a good way to try it. Uh, and, you know, if it doesn't succeed, you stop. But if it does good, then I guess we'll see what happens, you know. But uh, definitely something I'll check out. I, I'd be interested to see how it works out. I'm sure as their filming, we'll get more and more about it. But uh, it is announced, the prequel for The Sopranos. And um, it's going to be pretty cool. Like I said, some of the cast is still still around. So we'll see what happens and who they get in. Oh, and uh, real quick, you know, to give props to the woman. Her name is uh, Nancy Marchand. Very good. I don't think I could have remembered yeah. that at all. No way I would have remembered that shit. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, but she was great. <laughs> yeah, she was. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, this gives them they can bring back characters that have that are that are dead. You know, they can yeah. bring back all those characters and not have to explain why they're still alive. This happened in the 60s. Exactly. This happened in the 60s. So these guys were all kids and, you know, it's it's going to be really, really weird to see, but it's also going to be really cool to see. Very yeah, cool to it, see. It's going to be kind of one of those really weird but really cool they, uh, they have out there. So, yeah. Oh, Anthony, I'm still sharing. You're probably echoing all over the place. Luckily, you can't hear it or I can't hear it. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, that's going to be cool, man. So I'm really excited to see that. And uh, I would say they're probably going to start filming, I would say, what, 2020? Yes. Yeah. Better hop on it because, I mean, a couple of the uh, cast members are up there in age. <laughs> start jinxing people, bro. <laughs> start doing that shit, man. Nah, it'll be fine. <laughs> Everybody's going to be fine. It, uh, it should yes. be a really cool movie. And uh, we'll go from there. Yes. But anyway, we just wanted to mention that. I told Anthony about that. He didn't even know about it, so... Wanted to get his reaction, because I'm sure he didn't feel like typing it all out. And um, from there, we are, again, we're doing Wayne's World 2. Um, again, like I said, we don't need to really go through a lot of the characters in this movie. We really talked about a lot of them last week. Uh, we have not had a, a chance, or let me just say the privilege, to do a Christopher Walken movie yet. So we, he, he doesn't have a huge part in this movie. But a decent part, and uh, yeah. he he's true Christopher Walken in this movie, of course. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, he's a new one. We get Ralph Brown in this movie as Dell, uh, James Hong. We finally meet uh, the father of uh, Cassandra. Rip Taylor is in this movie. We got Aerosmith, the one of the bands in this movie. Uh, Heather Locklear has a quick cameo in this movie. Kim Basinger. Has a Cam mm, and Heather has a part in this movie. Yes, Drew Barrymore, uh, a boxman favorite, and a my oh, favorite too. Where I really think this might be her at her hottest was in these years. Um, we got even Tim Meadows makes a, uh, yes. a quick appearance. Jay Leno. Oh yeah, I just want to mention Tim Meadows, another underrated guy. I agree, man. Ladies' Man is a movie we're going to have to get to. I really think he's incredibly funny and talented. Uh, he he shows yes. up in this movie as Sammy Davis Jr. for all of a minute, so it's not like he has a huge little part in this movie. Um, and Anthony, I know you're going to ask because oh, before you get, I know before you uh -huh. get to that, go ahead. I think I think we should mention uh, real quick uh, Ted McGinley, Mister Scream. Mister Scream, that's right, making a quick uh, kind of a little tie-in to uh, Ed O'Neill being in this movie. Yeah, yeah, and I don't I don't know about you, but I was actually a fan of his. Mm -hmm. The Revenge of the Nerds, the original one, yep. uh, loved the one uh, as Jefferson on uh, Married right, with Children. Right. It, it, I mean, it, it took me a while to get used to him because, you know, I got used to Steve like a lot of people did. But I think he uh, filled those shoes well. they well. switched him out and didn't say anything. It was like, here, look, new, look, she has <laughs> yeah. a new bow. Let's just uh, let's just yeah. call him another name and go with it. Fuck it. And I, like, it. <laughs> no, I, I like And I like how, like, when he came on the show, the whole tone of the show, like, totally changed. Because even though the show was always right. goofy, the, the first four years with Steve mm -hmm. on it, it was poor. It was more or less like a it had layers of comedy, but they kind of played it right. straight. But then when they switched, made the switch to Ted McGinley, that's when it got real like over the top goofy. It, yeah, you're right. It kind of did. It, it it did kind of, but eh, 
no big deal, man. It's it's still, still a classic. great. It was still a great show. All right, and uh, you know Anderson Cooper, Mandarin Pooper, in the chat room brings up Tim Meadow right here was at his hottest. He is one hundred percent correct. Tim Meadows yes. was on Saturday Night Live at this point. He was doing a he killing was it. killing it. Uh, and again, Ladies Man, which probably came out. One second here, I'll find out exactly. Two thousand. Really that late? Yeah, actually, I remember. I actually saw it in the movies. Jesus. And uh, for the, I, I gotta say, you know, I know we're, we're gonna get back to mm-hmm. Wayne's World, but I have to point out this was like the last, you know, this was Tiff- Tiffany uh, Amber Thiessen at her absolute hottest. Loved on Say by the Bell, but if you've seen her in this movie, my God, yeah, she did. My God, she was. Yes. Yes. She did look good. Uh, better yes. than son-in-law. Good. Yeah. yeah, which is amazing if you if you figure, if you factor, and that was seven years after the fact. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, definitely some new people in this movie. Michael DeLuise did not make a comeback in this movie. Lee Turgenson did, who we spoke about last week. How underrated he is of an actor. Um, uh, Steven Tyler, of course. Yeah, Aerosmith showed up in this movie. Uh, Nirvana, believe it or not, was actually offered a part in this film as one of the performers going into Wayne Stock. Uh, they were shown a rough cut of the film, even to try to persuade them, but they actually declined the movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we could have even seen some Nirvana in this movie, but they decided to decline. Um, but yeah, anyway, since Michael DeLuise, my one NYPD Blue reference was sort of killed in this second move, I know you're thinking, well, he's screwed now. No, no, sir. Googie Gross, who is the gate security, uh, Googie Gress, (laughs) the gate security guy is actually in one episode of NYPD Blue. That's right, folks. I got it. Yep. He plays yeah. a guy named Otto in one episode <laughs> of NYPD Blue in 2002, which would have been about a year before they went off the air. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Googie, Googie Gress, yeah. Fox, Fox Man's yeah moment of the week, the, folks. These NYPD <laughs> Blue moments, they really are my yeah moments. Of, of the, Sometimes I don't even need the, I just need to get the name of the person. I don't need, the, that's all I need. Yes. Yes, but I swear to you, folks, check the archives. We're seventy plus episodes in, and I swear we've got an NYPD Blue reference in every fucking All episode. Except two. That's commitment. All but two. Um, the original Rocky Horror Picture Show and uh, okay. Waterboy. The wow. Waterboy, which wow. is one of our most downloaded episodes. Thank you, everybody. Um, but yeah, the Waterboy had none, and I went through. I don't care. Even if they didn't have a picture on IMDb, I clicked their name trying to get one. Awesome. Yeah, I did. That was the, the those two movies. And I mean, I mean, let's face it, the the uh, uh, fucking Rocky Horror was from you know the seventies. But I mean, even fucking uh, the Warriors had a, a reference. Now, did you see the video I posted of the Warriors reuniting? <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm like, I mean, I'm sorry. If they make a remake, I'm sure obviously they're older and won't be as good as the original, obviously. But we have to review that because that's one of those so bad is good. You know, they got they got the cut off uh, little jacket gimmicks. Some of them still kind of buff. We got to do that just for the, the hell. Jacket. <laughs> they are not doing a remake, by the way. I wish they would. I honest to God wish they would. Oh, the, 
I <laughs> look, I, I, I know they were old, they were gray, but I got to admit, I, I, I got a huge smile on my face watching those guys walk back around New York, uh, walk around Coney Island. It really cheered me up a little bit. I had had a shitty day and I saw that and I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Fucking yeah. four of the Warriors back together. So. So seriously, man, you know, you know, jokes aside, it's all, it's always cool, like, to see, like, the old school people you kind of came up with. Like, I know, I, I, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers mm. crossed to see, like, a, a De Niro and Pesci reunion. One more time, man. I got to see them on film together one more time. That's what I'm hoping for, personally. You know, I'll tell you the truth. I have a feeling if we do, it's going to be a comedy, which I have zero issues with. Zero. Same here. I don't care. They'll let it be a comedy. But I think if yeah. there's... It makes Scorsese, makes Scorsese the director. Oh, it has to be. Scorsese directing a yeah. comedy? I'm totally for that. Yes. Yes. I, you know, just... <laughs> I got to see those three work together one more time. Yeah, that'd be pretty... Oh, excuse me. I was taking a sip of beer there. That'd be pretty fucking awesome, man. But um, I don't know. I mean, did, did we miss uh-huh. anybody in the cast that's new? Uh-huh. I don't think we did. Nobody uh, yet, Chris really. Farley obviously has a different part in this movie. He's actually um, one of the friends of uh, Mike Myers, you know, Wayne and Garth. So he did get a not a much bigger part in this movie, but he did get a bigger part. Obviously, he was even more. Uh, he was even hotter than he was before at this point, so they had yes. to pretty much give him a different part. Yes, I, I, I'll always have time for Chris Farley, bro. I, yeah, two minutes. Uh, yeah, not enough time in this movie, as far as I'm concerned. No, I, I, I totally agree, man. Chris Farley is one of those guys. I mean, just I don't know. I mean, we, we did a whole episode on Chris Farley, and you know, we, we we talked about a lot of almost all of his movies and how great he was, and how you know, just l- so little time. We got to spend with him, you know, and I, I I know it sounds weird to say it like that, but, you know, when you sit and watch a movie, you kind of, especially a Chris Farley movie now, when you watch it, you're like, oh, man, it just is hard. Yeah. You know, because it's like you saw you saw like the potential and it's like he was hot at that time, but he still didn't even scratch the surface yeah. of what he could have accomplished. You know, we did like an Eddie Murphy episode a little while ago, and it's like Eddie Murphy flops be damned in the latter part of his career, he's reached his full potential and then some. Absolutely. You know, but Chris Farley never got, if you look at everybody that kind of like came off, that anybody that was anybody on SNL blew up, you know, Eddie Murphy, uh, Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, all of them got to reach their full potential of what they were capable of. Farley was the only one that kind of like, he was scratch starting to scratch the surface and just when he really was about to like cross over to the other side, it was just like, damn. yeah, you know, I I know this is kind of going to be a weird comparison, but I mean, you know, we did spawn off of a wrestling show, and Saturday Night Live is kind of the NXT of comedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It it really is. They groom they and 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 then you either sink or swim when it comes to doing a movie. They do give you the shot. You know what I mean? It's it's it literally yeah. is the NXT. You know. It, it, you get called up to the main roster, and you're either going to fucking be released. Or you're going to, you know, make it. You're going to be successful. So yeah. SNL, especially at this time, because, yes. you know, and yeah, <laughs> well, they had just come off of that really hot 70s and 80s role with all of the, you know, your Steve, your Steve Martins and all those people. And you had a new breed yeah. coming in right about here. And this new breed yeah. did pretty fucking well. 
Yeah, and it's like a lot of people kind of like shit on like they call it, I think they called it like the uh, bad boy era. Okay. Of uh, yeah. SNL, they called it called it like the bad boy era because like when you had like Rock and Farley and SN- and um uh, Sandler and all of those guys, they they had like a different breed of comedy. It wasn't so much political and smart. It was like gross out humor, a lot of like innuendo, a lot of like basically a uh, sophomore type humor. Yeah. But if you were like during that time period, if you were like a teenager in your early twenties, mid twenties, you thought it was hilarious. But if you were older, you probably looked at these guys like, "I can't take." Yeah, especially the baby talks it. But I love it. I still love it. I don't care what anybody says. You know, that era is very much underrated. Very much underrated. I totally agree with you. And and you know, when we did the Chris Farley episode, we even said you could see when Farley and Sandler were in a scene together. They were trying to basically go off script and make each other a pop, make each other laugh. Yeah. And with those guys, it was almost like endearing and charming. But when the, I forgot, what's the dude's name that always kind of, he always kind of would break character, or like just kind of laugh and just fuck up a scene. It always annoyed me when he did it. But when Sandler and uh, Farley did it, I wouldn't, um, wouldn't mind it so yeah. much. You know who I'm talking I do, about. And I can't remember who the fuck it was, but it was the uh the the brown haired guy with the really neat hair. Yeah, I think he's like he's um he's actually a wrestling fan. Name the chat room, help me out. Um Yeah, I, I know who you're talking about and I can't think of it either, but you know, SNL now is really not what it ever was, and I'll I'll be honest, it's it's gonna be a sad day when it goes off the air, but it it, it, it it's probably going to very soon. Uh, no, no, I I don't know. Lauren Michael's got too much juice. I don't know. When he goes, that's when I, I think when he goes, that's when the show will go. Hopefully, I'm not, I'm not you know, no time soon for Lauren Man, Michaels. You're just, national you're just treasure. death on everyone tonight, Anna. Jesus Christ. No, 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 but no, I feel like he's like one of those, like, he's like the heart. Like, once he goes, like, as, as much as the show, I don't enjoy it now, like I did way back in the day, I feel like he's like the heart and soul of it. And as long as he's around, the show will have some type of life. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I don't want it to end, but I'm not like I watch it, but to even hear about it, you know, that, you know, every now and then one of the wrestlers hosts and I watch and of course, Jimmy Fallon. I like Fallon. That the guy, though, he, he's the character. Yes, right? that you know what? That's exactly who you're talking about, who, you know, has his own show now. And I even posted the video of John Cena dressed up as a girl on his show. God damn, I've never seen a girl with arms that big. China, Caitlin, no, Nicole, no, <laughs> no. Seen his arms are bigger. <laughs> I, I, you know, you, no one gives Cena credit, but I'll tell you the truth, man. I'll bet if I'll, I'll, I'll bet he's as fucking his arms are as big as Hogan's. I'm not lying. I'll bet Cena's got them 24 inch pythons, bro. I'll give you that. I mean, honestly, like he, you've seen pictures of Cena like before he got into mm-hmm. wrestling, right? Where he, where he looked like yeah, I, I don't give a fuck what nobody say. Allegedly, my ass. He was like, he just didn't look human. No, no, and he was all dehydrated and ripped, and yeah, yeah. But anyway, let's. Uh, I guess you know, get in the let's, uh, yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and get in the Wayne's world before we get into a whole wrestling talk on John Cena and his uh, <clears throat> alleged steroid use. Uh, yeah. <laughs> should we get into the? Uh, should we get into the controversy of the original script? For Wayne's World 2, before we get into the sure, actual story. Ahead, so basically, Myers, the original script for uh, Wayne's World 2 had uh, Wayne and Garth forming like their own country and succeeding from the uh, U.S. After finding like an ancient scroll and a story taken from a British comedy that came out in uh, 1949, Passport to a 
make sure I get this thing right. Passport to a Pimilico, something uh-huh. like that. So the, the ver- this version of the movie like was well in the production, as in almost done. Until the studio found out when this flick was almost mm-hmm. done that they didn't get the rights to use this movie. And, and the uh, studio head at the time, a chick na- by the name of Sherry Lansing, reportedly was furious at Myers for this and basically threatened to ruin his life and his oh. career if he didn't if he didn't produce a new script. Shit. Where did you find this? I didn't God. see this. Oh, I do my research. Um, yeah, I'm a rain man. You are. Good. This is good shit, man. I, I, keep going. No, that that's basically really? it. So literally, and the, and the thing is, once they found out this information – Production was halted, as in they were tearing. You could hear the chainsaws literally chopping down sets. This is a direct quote from somebody that was there. Well, I gotta say, that sounds like a piece of shit movie, by the way. So, do you think this? You know, knowing this information, are you glad that they had to abandon the original plot? And yes, just... very glad because that sounds like shit. Now, let me ask you. But you know, we reviewed the last mm-hmm. one. I mean, the first one last week, and obviously, that's a classic. Do you think that losing the director from that one hurt this one? Because it, it, it still made money, but you know, let's get into this. The budget for it was forty right. million, and the box office was forty-eight point mm-hmm. two. So they basically made a little over eight million. Right. And compared yeah. to compared to the original, you know, it made like one hundred and twenty or something like crazy right. like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it was intended to be a Christmas season blockbuster movie. But it didn't do as good as they thought. It was moderately successful. It did not lose money. But you had uh, other holiday movies coming out like uh, Miss Doubtfire, Schindler's List, The Pelican Brief. I mean, you know, he was up against some heavy fucking hitters. And, you know, Christmas time, comedy. uh, But, you know, they were also in talks right after this movie to do another Wayne's World. Yeah. Oh no! Just to uh, clear, correct myself, wasn't 120. It was 183 million that that first one made. Mm. So this was a big drop. Oh yeah, it was. It was. And again, it came out at a strange time. But uh, like I said, they were in talks to do another Wayne's World after this. But Mike Myers turned it down in order to develop a secret agent comedy, uh, otherwise known as a spoof of the James Bond films, and we know him as Austin Powers. So it took him four years to develop and make Austin Powers after this movie because he was in talks to do another one. And I'll tell you the truth. He's probably very happy he did this because the Austin Powers movie was another amazing fucking little uh, windfall for him. Yes. Obviously, you know, I'll do I personally prefer Wayne's World over, you know, Austin Powers. I think they got a little wrong in the tooth by the third one. But, uh, yeah, obviously that was more lucrative for him. Right. Yeah, and you know, I mean, look, uh, earning a, more than a, a, over 120 million at the box office still isn't a bad thing to do, you know, which is what the movie did. So it was still definitely, you know, definitely a good movie. You know, it's it, it it didn't do that bad as people say, but it wasn't the you know amazing blockbuster that the first one was. And I think the fact that they rushed this movie to production really made it not, they were really trying to go off of that, you know, off the heels of the, the the first one. And, you know, people were, people were still using the lingo. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like, I look at it like this. There's something to be said for striking while the iron's hot. 
and I get and I get the mindset of you know this is hot. It might not be hot two years from now, so let's jump on it. But I feel like if you don't have the good, if you don't have good material to play off of to really kind of like put out good content, hold off on it. A year, two years, whatever it takes to get the right script in place. Because I, I personally enjoyed mm-hmm. the second one, but I feel like it was like it was almost too insider. They made it, it was too many like when, I know you like the whole talking to the camera deal, and I like it too. But I feel like in this one it, that was like too much of a crutch. It was almost like they were being too cool for school in this one. Yeah, and I mean, and there really was only a couple of scenes where they talked to the camera, unlike the other one where there was a lot of them, but. Yeah, and I definitely agree. This movie probably would have been better as like a you know one of those you know hot summer films to come out or something. But they probably should have waited. I wouldn't have even cared if they waited another fucking year to set this movie out. But you know, I'm not gonna say you can tell the movie was rushed, but maybe you can if you really watch the movie. And again, I'm not saying it was a bad movie, but they were definitely trying to really strike while people were still using the fucking lingo, you know, the slang from the movie and, you know, still doing swing everywhere. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> what? No, no. <laughs> you, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but when you mentioned swing, yeah. I'm just thinking of one of my favorite parts in the movie. I'll with, get uh, there. I'll get there. <laughs> I, 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 I got that part. Don't worry about it. I have way more clips <laughs> than I'm going to, than I should, but, um, I'll probably, you know, tie a few together, pause there on a few. But uh, I guess on that note, I guess we should go ahead and jump directly into the movie. And uh, let's go ahead and play right when we start the movie. They're already starting, you know, they're still doing Wayne's World. If you remember at the end of the last movie, they did get their show back. Uh, But they're in a new place. They're at the old Acme building. Acme, Looney Tunes reference. Okay, just want to make sure. And uh, I'll go ahead and play a little bit from here. Here we go. All right, so here we are in our new surroundings, the abandoned Acme Doll Factory in downtown Aurora, Illinois. We now have an official babe lair. I know, man. This place is going to be chick central. I feel sorry for guys who still have to live with their parents, you know? Okay, you've probably noticed by now that we're on a little early tonight. Usually at this time on Aurora Cable, you're watching Plant World. But they didn't want our 1030 time slot. But... We were able to talk Plant World into changing with Cooking World. Although they didn't want to change at first. But fortunately, White Supremacy World was cancelled and all the trades worked out. And finally, the reason we're on early is because we're going to a concert tonight in Chicago. Excellent. Yes. And did I mention that we will be seeing... Aerosmith? Wow! (laughs) All right, okay, so until next week. Good night and party on! Party on, Wayne! Party on, Garth. It's Wayne's World! Wayne's World! Party time! Excellent! And we're out! Alright! Let's move, people! Alright, Garth! To the Mirthmobile! So there we go. First part right there. They're still kind of doing their thing. Their show hasn't changed very much. (laughs) And they go ahead and they, uh... They are going to see Aerosmith, which is always a good thing. I, you know what? That's one band I haven't seen live. I've seen, I've seen the fucking Rolling Stones and ACDC, but I have not seen fucking Aerosmith. How's that? Were you an Aerosmith fan? Yeah, I was. I still am. I, I, Aerosmith is a great fucking band, dude. Steven Tyler is, he's got a great voice. I mean, yeah, it's not as great as it was. And, 
yeah, he's not the best singer in the world, but when he fucking hits, there's certain notes he can hit that are just fucking, you know, only fucking Tyler can hit that shit, man, you know? Especially in a dude look like a lady. I <laughs> That's a weird song to like, but damn it, I like it. A lot of his songs are really good, man. But um, we do get to a little point in this movie where uh, Wayne sort of introduces us to what's going on in the second movie instead of the first. And uh, I'll go ahead and uh, play that part for you so we can uh, introduce the movie. Hi, I'm Wayne Campbell. Excellent. Welcome to Wayne's World 2. Let me bring you up to speed. Come on. There's a lot to tell you, so let's take the scenic route. A year has passed. I'm a little older. I'm a little wiser. I'm starting to get hair in really weird places, man. I feel like I'm turning into Sasquatch. I still go out with my girlfriend, Cassandra. She's cutting a record demo right now, man. Her career's really taking off. You remember Cassandra, don't you? Ah, oh, Cassandra. Shwing. What a babe. She'd give a dog a bone. But you know, even though I live on my own now, everybody's really hassling me to do something with my life, you know? To become an adult. I feel like I'm in a John Hughes Reek de Passage movie. But what I'd really like to do is something extraordinary. Something big, something mega, something copious, something capacious, something kajunga. But I'll probably end up working at Great America, mopping up hurl and lung butter. Chia. Huh. remember my best friend Garth Elgar, right? Oh, I almost forgot. This year Garth finally got pubes. You didn't tell him about my pubes, did you? No, of course not. <laughs> so, there we go, Anthony. The, <laughs> the first awesome. little scene. It, 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 that was a good little scene. It kind of caught you up on what was going on. Over the last year, what's happening? Um, good, good shit there, man. Yeah, good continuity. I like how they acknowledge because a lot of times with sequels, there's, there's, especially nowadays, there's terrible continuity. Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll literally either ignore or just flat out forget things that happened in the first one. So I actually like the continuity. Right, there. exactly. Yeah, I, I do like that they brought up, and of course they brought up Cassandra. She is in this movie. Tia Carrere still. A sexy, sexy yes. woman in this movie. Oof, Jesus, maybe more sexy in this movie than I mean, a year later, and she's even fucking hotter. Yes. Yeah, we mentioned last week. You know, she's in her early fifties, and she still looks. Yes. Yeah. Milf yeah, like I said, she's in a you know she's in a, a some of the recent episodes this season of the season eight of NYPD Blue, or I'm sorry, Blue Bloods. Jesus Christ, Blue Bloods, NYPD Blue. You know, same thing, Blue Blue. Um. <laughs> Blue balls, blue balls. Talking about there you go. That's what happened, man. I got all fucking confused, but uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, she's in you know one, season eight of Blue Bloods right now. If you um, but right before the holidays, I'm gonna say November December episodes. So you know if you go back through, I'd figure episodes you know nine ten. She's in a couple of them, so you can see her her there. Like I said, 
looking a little heavier, thicker, not fat, thick. Yes, yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, so they, 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 uh, from this point though, they kind of, uh, roll on. They're going towards the concert. Uh, they're listening to the radio. They're listening to, uh, Handsome Dad and Mr. Scream. Um, you know what? I wasn't planning on playing a little any of that, but I'll go ahead and play a little bit of the uh, Handsome Dan and Mr. Scream since that does show up later in the movie. Here we go. I'll roll some of this. Hey, Handsome Dan, coming at you at five on the short side of nine bells here from WPIG, America's Rock Authority. Oh, what do you say we check in with Mr. Scream? We get back into that part a little bit later. Uh, kind of a reason to play that part because, again, we do get back into that whole little little thing. Um, but one of the best parts in the movie is actually right here where <clears throat> they pull up with a little bit of a golden earring in the back, a little radar love. You like that song, Anthony? Absolutely. Do you know that song? Play it for me. I just want to hear oh, it. Well, it, it'll play when it starts. Uh, when I start to scene back up, I'm not going <laughs> to fucking go to YouTube and play golden earring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. See, no. I'm familiar with it from the movie, but I did enjoy the oh, song. Golden earring is badass, dude. They play some good fucking songs, man. They got a Twilight Zone song. Now I'm stepping into the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Now, when did they come out? Those are that's that's that that's eighties shit, dude. Shit, Golden Earring might shit that it might even be Radar Love might even be seventies. Give me two seconds here. Radar. Well, I'm not trying to be a dick here, but but were they big in your era? Um, were like were they like a big deal, or were they like kind of I don't want to say like middle of the road, but like B level. Like B-level They're success. not a huge band. Um, this was their most popular song. This is actually a 1973 song. Um, I they weren't popular in my era. I I just love classic rock and always have. And I mean, this is definitely a badass fucking song. But uh, yeah, man, I I always. My sister's friends were always two years older than me, and they listened to all this classic rock and shit from back then, and I just got into it, man. That's how I got into Zeppelin, uh, Bad Company, um, Pink Floyd. They got me into Pink Floyd, man. I love Floyd. Floyd is some of the best chilling music that you could ever fucking listen to, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, definitely. so... They got me into a lot of cool bands, man. And they, you know, started me smoking, smoking pot, drinking. Yes. So at 15, I sort of, uh, yeah. you know, you listen to your parents' music for a long time. But between like 14 and 17, you really start coming into your own music, in my opinion. that Those are the ages where you get out of your parents' music and your friends' music really takes over. You know what I mean? So yeah, so so we have these guys to thank for the box man we have today. Yeah, awesome. you kind of do, man. And I still remember a lot of their awesome. fucking names, man. So 
They were cool guys, man. They got me pretty fucked up a few times. They uh, they brought me to the clearing in North Carolina. This is when I lived in Raleigh. And uh, the clearing was a little spot in the woods where they would start, you know, had a little, had a cement fire pit in the middle of it. I don't know where it came from. They don't know where it came from. But uh, we would just sit there and first beer I ever had was a Milwaukee's Best. The Beast. Nice. It was all they could get. They knew a guy who would give them four or five cases of it at a time for like 20 bucks. So they would go get that shit and they would fucking, they just uh, got me hammered one night at the clearing. The first night I, I, my sister let me go out with them, I got drunk as fuck. And then we had a party at my house that my sister, you know, made me keep quiet. And they got me stoned as fuck, man. They get you laid, because normally that's normally the progression. You get stoned, get drunk, you get laid. Beautiful thing. About a month later, one of my sister's friends named Christy, Christy, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did, they did. They were good guys. She was seventeen too. It was a good. It was it was a good time. Awesome. It was a good time. (laughs) Good time. Seventeen, fifteen. Good days. Good days. Yes, Boxman made the delivery. I did. I did. Boxman was uh, Boxman was wrapped up. All uh, del- signed, sealed, delivered, sir. <laughs> signed, sealed, delivered. But uh, let's go ahead and um, <laughs> all right. Good stories. Good stories. I, lo- I I love story time with Boxman time. I really do. <laughs> so let's go ahead and this is probably one of the best scenes from the movie. And I'm gonna tell you right now. I knew a lot of people who worked at fast food restaurants. People did this for about a year after this movie came out. So let's go ahead and roll this scene. Welcome to the Kitas. How may I serve you? Uh, yes. Uh, I, I, rulers, Agar Ox, and a Makita cup. And then I think I would like a, a large with team. <laughs> yes, and could I please have it? Having donut and raspberry and orange drink. What? Oh, I, I'm sorry. And bigger okay. Oh well, let me try to recap the order: a crawler, two sugar pucks, a Stanley cup, large coffee with cream, a raspberry jelly donut, orange drink, and a box of five holes. Yeah. Thank you. Drive around, please. All right. So they tried to fuck with the order, and the dude still got it right. But like I said, I knew people working at fast food, drive throughs and people were literally doing this all the time. So, again, influenced by the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, but yeah, this was definitely one of the funnier parts, and they're just shocked that he got the fucking order right. But, uh, again, they're cruising on here. They're going to, uh, they're going to see Aerosmith, man. And they do go see Aerosmith. Aerosmith is jamming on fucking stage. I'm still, man, I'm still pissed off I haven't seen Aerosmith. Now now I want to go see Aerosmith. But uh, <laughs> they do end up backstage. And, of course, they're kind of pulling the same thing they pulled in the first movie. You know, the security guards are stopping them. And they're, you know, flashing their, their backstage passes and getting past security. And they're strutting. They're they're Vince McMahon strutting down to the uh to there after they show them their passes. 
But uh, when I get to the part where there, where he sees Cassandra, she is back there. This is the first time we meet Christopher Walken or Bobby. Um, Rob Lowe did get offered a part in this movie, but they wanted him to play a different part, kind of do a cameo role as a different part in the movie. And he was kind of upset and didn't want to do it. So basically what he did is just declined the role and said that, you know, people seeing me in a different light, you know, a different character just wouldn't, would confuse people. So he declined the movie and they brought in. I actually agree with that. Do what? I actually agree with that. I do too. I, I think it would have really made the movie a little confusing, but Christopher Walken ended up stepping in and playing the producer. And we do even get, you know, Mr. Big. Back in his role too, Frankie, Frankie Figs, Mr. Big, is that what they called him? Something like yeah. that. But uh, this is the first part where we do get to meet uh, Christopher Walken. I'm going to go ahead and little, roll a little bit of this scene for you too. Sorry we couldn't sit together. Oh, no troubles, Bubbles. Great concert, huh? I want you to meet somebody. Wayne Gothis is Bobby Kahn of Shop Records. Excellent. See ya. Yeah. Uh, Bobby's my record producer. He's been working with me in the band. Well, we must drop by the studio. Of course, I don't have to tell you how extremely talented Cassandra is. I mean, you've heard, you've seen, you know. Definitely. Scott. Scott. I should have met someone. Cassandra. This is Scott. Hi. Hi. And, uh, uh, Dwayne. Actually, Wayne. All right. Bobby tells me you are very, very talented. I was just saying the exact same thing. I'm going to ask you something. Pause it there real quick. So you can see already they quickly, I'm not going to say the tension already, but you can see already Wayne is kind of intimidated by Bobby, Christopher Walken's character, right there. He should be. I mean, I don't care what Walken does, man. Man just screams cool badass. He, he does. But meanwhile, Tia Carrera here in a leather outfit showing enough cleavage to fucking kill a fucking elephant um, is absolutely hotter than hell right now. Uh, I do have it paused on a very good scene. Uh, <laughs> she's, she's just sitting there with her arms crossed and titties just looking right at me. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Opox, real quick. Yes, I think we should amp up the misogyny on the show because I feel like once the day we get that first like letter or like letter writing campaign or Twitter, whatever the fuck, you know, THT Anthony and Bob, they're misogynistic, but they're anti women. I feel like that's when we would have yeah, made it to the next level. Absolutely, dude. We would have crossed. We have over. not made it until we've been we've, we've been called misogynistic pigs. Yes, yes. I'm I'm, I'm, so, yes, I'm waiting so, for the yes. day. I'm waiting. It will happen. Yes. Yes, we're going to amp up. Yes, we're going to amp up the tit talk. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sorry, but if anyone thinks Tia Carrera doesn't look absolutely fucking amazing in this scene, you're basically either gay or lying to yourself. Um, so there we go. There's more people that can go ahead and send us emails. Uh, but let me go ahead and play a little more of this scene for you guys. Uh, Don't be gay. Look at there. You tits. go. Look at tits, bro. <laughs> it's all about the tits. So here we go. Don't you hate schmoozing? Oh, yes, I just despise it. We're not worthy! We're not worthy! We're 
Worthy, you're worthy. Get up. You guys were excellent tonight. Hey, thanks a lot. We'll see you inside. We're planning on it. And by the way, just in case I forgot to mention, that is right there where Aerosmith came out and they were they met Aerosmith. Uh, and they talked to him. And again, the we're not worthy again. They did the same thing in the, uh, you know, first one with Alice Cooper. But uh, I'll go ahead and play just a little more of this scene and then we'll roll right into the fucking next scene. That's uh, Uh, a Hold on. All right. So now is where they, you know, go into the real backstage area and there they see Heather Locklear. How is she still fucking hot today? How would she, how did, how does she still look like Heather Locklear from 1990 fucking three? Hey, some women got it like that. Good genetics. Oh, absolutely. Must be. Now, what would you say was her peak hotness? Because I, I don't know. I would say she's still hot now, but what would you say is her peak? 90, what, mid-90s, 96, 97? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably right there. But, I mean, you can see here she is still gorgeous. Absolutely. And still today. Yeah. Yes. So, but they do see Heather Locklear, and I'll play a little bit of that scene, too. Like I said, I've got a, way too many clips in this movie. But here we go. Jeez, Wayne, look. Garth, it's Heather Locklear. But she's signaling to us. There is a God. Heather be thy name. Bobby! Are you coming? Oh, yeah, we're... We're supposed to be in there. No, you're not. My girlfriend's in there. Hey. A lot of people's girlfriends are in there. Denied. <laughs> All right. So they were denied access to the main backstage area where uh, Cassandra and Bobby both were. But they do end up in the, what would you call this, Anthony? The uh, the rejected part of the um, of the area. Uh, yeah, that's as good a name as any. I mean, this is the, uh, I don't know, what's a good way of putting it? The, the, uh, the not good enough, the not good enough tits area. Because, I mean, let's be honest, to get backstage, all you gotta do is have tits. Yeah, but although, although when they flash the camera around, there are two twins there who are amazingly gorgeous. And I don't understand why they didn't get back there. But, what I'm... Maybe they were the Maybe they were, but... The fluffers, you know, you know, keep the keep that section of the uh, <laughs> other room happy, dude. If those two are the fluffers, I I I'll be kicked out of any concert you fucking get me to. So, at the, so at that point, it would be like fuck Aerosmith. I'm gonna go over here. Yeah, with exactly. These. Fuck Aerosmith. These fucking these fluffers are great. <laughs> Jesus, fluff me, fluff me. But uh. They do finally see, you know, they, they look around and they're like, holy shit, we're in the nerdy section of this part. We're like in the rejected section. And um, basically they see two nerdy guys run up to them. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and play that part for you because they obviously don't want to even let on let on who they are. So 
Uh, any, oh, you know what? For some reason, Skype just completely shut down on me. So I'll tell you guys what. We're going to take a quick break, and I will uh, come on right back, and we'll get Anthony back, and I will see everybody in just a goddamn minute. All right. Sorry about that, everybody. Little uh, little Skype failure. Skype, of course, can eat a dick. Yes, Skype. Yes, a left Skype one. can eat a left, a left dick, one. a right dick, a middle dick, a fucking... Skype can eat a bag of baby dicks, for all I care. Fuck Skype. Um, but anyway, let's just say that. Anyway, by the way, uh, right there during the break, you, of course, heard Shaheen rapping for us. God damn, the man is getting more badass by the fucking day. What can I say? Thank you, Shaheen. Keep kicking ass, brah. Anyway, back to the movie. We were at the part right where the nerds were about to approach them. They were in the nerdy part of the fucking building and uh, they were backstage. So let's go ahead and roll with the fucking scene right now. Where are you from? I'm from Wilmette. I'm from Cicero. Isn't it cool to be downtown? Hey, are you those two guys who have that TV show in Aurora? Wayne's World? Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Wayne's World. <laughs> Party time. No. Well, you guys sure look like them. Look, if Wayne says we're not, <laughs> we're not, okay? Okay. How long does it take for you to get here from Aurora? It takes me 40 minutes door to door. My mom gave me a dollar and dropped me off at the park and ride. So once again, they are mortified of where they are. Don't even know what to do, to be honest with you. They're just looking around like, what the fuck is going on? But uh, this is where we go, and this is where the movie kind of, I would say this is the setting for the movie right here. Um, We go to the scene where Wayne is having a dream. He's rolling around in his bed. Um... And he has a dream. And in the dream, he goes to meet Jim Morrison. Now, this part right here is uh, the writing behind this part where Wayne is encountering Jim Morrison and the weird naked Indian. There is a weird naked Indian that brings him to G- Jim Morrison every time. Um It's actually something with uh, Mike Myers' real life, and it was inspired by his spiritual journey that he went on right after his father passed. Uh, Now, we know his father did pass away kind of right right after the original Wayne's World was put out. So between this year, you know, the, the last year and this year, his father passed away. So, yeah, this was sort of a vision. Now, the only thing I can think is he, like, went to fucking Brazil and did ayahuasca or something. So, I don't I don't know, man. But, uh, you know, whatever. But uh, we do get to the point right now. He does go to meet Jim Morrison. And, of course, I'm going to play the part where he meets Jim Morrison. Jim tells him to put on a concert. And here we go. I'm Jim Morrison. 
Who's he? A weird naked Indian. Cool. Why have you brought me here? To help you find some answers, Wayne. Answers to what? Ask me a question. Okay, two trains are traveling at 60 miles an hour. One from Chicago, one from Los Angeles. No, ask me a question about your life. What am I supposed to do with my life? You should put on a concert in Aurora, Wayne. How am I going to get the bands to come? If you book them, they will come. But I don't know anything about putting on a concert. You must go to England and find a man named Del Preston. He's the greatest roadie that ever lived. He was with us in the good times and the bad. He will help you. Any more questions? Will Garth ever get his Sports Illustrated football phone? It was sent to the wrong house. We'll arrive tomorrow along with the swimsuit issue and the video Stanley Cup, 100 Years of Glory. Hey, how do I get back? Follow the weird naked Indian. Cool. Wake up. There we go. Uh, Wayne sees the Indian. He tells him that he needs to put on a show. Oh, Anthony, you didn't hear any of that, did you? Sorry about that, brother. Yeah, and I don't know how, but it shut itself off. But uh, yeah, so he is told to put on a concert and to follow the Naked Indian home right as he's doing that. And again, Jim did say that uh, uh, Garth was going to get his Sports Illustrated football phone. So here we go. Let's continue with the scene a little bit. Garth. Huh? I just had the most vivid and powerful dream of my life. Last night, Jim Morrison spoke to me. He told me that the purpose of my life was to put on a concert. Oh, hey, guess what finally came in the mail, Wayne? I guess they sent it to the wrong house. My Sports Illustrated football phone. Oh, my God! Cool. (laughs) My Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Oh, my God. And the history of the Stanley Cup, 100 years of glory. Garth, it's a sign. We will put on a concert. Oh, yes. We will put on a concert. All right. There we go. Anthony, are you hearing any of this? Uh, Yep. I mute myself and I can hear it. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, it's uh, for some reason Skype is not sharing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually I hate to do this to you guys. I'm going to take one more break. I'm going to restart Skype and then uh, we're going to go ahead and come on back because I really think what happened is when Skype started back up, it sort of fucked up. So I'm going to restart Skype real fast. And everybody, once again, I apologize for taking another break. And uh, we will see you guys in just a goddamn second. See ya. All right, we're back again. Sorry about that, everybody. Once again, fuck Skype. We keep saying it, and we love it. But uh, anyway, we <laughs> we we do realize that he is going to put a concert on. He being Wayne Campbell and Garth, they are putting on a concert. They haven't named it yet, but from here, what they do is they go to Cassandra's studio where she is uh, 
basically, you know, filming, uh, not filming, but recording her album. And uh, we're going to go ahead and play a little bit of that right now. Excuse me, what are you guys doing here in the middle of the street? Well, I'm putting these chickens in crates and stacking them right here. Jim's job is to make sure we always have plenty of watermelons. Oh, so you're selling watermelons? No, no, sir. We just got to make sure there's plenty of them stacked at all times, just like the uh, chickens. What do these guys do? Well, their job is to walk back and forth with this big plate glass window every couple of minutes. That's weird. Yeah, you got to wonder if this is going to pay off later on. All right, so we have chickens, we have watermelons, and we have a guys walking around with glass, Anthony. And, of course, <laughs> yes. you wonder, will this pay off later on in the movie? They even acknowledge this. Which exactly. Kind of so, I, again, it's one of those movies where they, you know, they talk to the camera. They give away things that are going to happen later. Obviously, this is going to come into play later. Um, but I'm going to keep playing the scene because this is another scene where we sort of understand what Bobby's all about. And I'll play a little more of this right now. to overdub a track with Bobby playing. He can really wail. Give him a few minutes. They're working on it. I spoke with the label today. They figure you got at least three singles on this one. They want you to come out to the coast next week. Excellent. <laughs> Not bad for a little girl from Hong Kong. What brings you here, Wayne? I uh, had to tell Cassandra something. Yeah? Yeah. Last night, I had a dream. We're going to put on a concert in Aurora. That's a great idea. Yeah, it's, um, it's a festival. Festival? A festival. You heard the man. It's charming. What's it called? What's it called? It's called, um... All right. Now, uh, real quick before I even go more into the scene, Wayne does go to the studio. He sits there and tells Cassandra he's putting on a festival, doesn't know the name of it. They don't even know what's going on. But they're looking around the studio, and Wayne is literally just mentioning bands and things he sees on the wall, pictures on the wall, and everything right here. So from here, that's what he does. So he's literally looking at CDs they're going through, pictures on the wall, and here we go. It's called uh, Wainstock. It's called Wainstock. Wainstock. <laughs> Who's going to be at Wainstock? Um... Uh, Aerosmith and Pearl Jam. <laughs> Who else? Uh, me <laughs> and, and and Wayne and and uh, Van Halen. Wow, Van Halen. Who else? Yeah. Who else? Uh, an old man fashioning a kayak out of a log. What? No! Uh, Rip Taylor! Rip Taylor's gonna be there! Ah. Rip Taylor? He's ah. a god in my country. He can't walk the streets without getting mobbed. Oh, that's great, because he's gonna be there. So, and, uh, I thought maybe you could play too? I would be honored. I wouldn't commit, just yet. You've got some real gigs coming up. Real gigs. Real gigs? Well, uh, Ixnay on the condescension there, Chet. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby, can I ask you a question? Where's it, Garth? 
<clears throat> a sphincter says what? <laughs> I said, a sphincter says what? <laughs> you want me to say what? Like, I don't get it. Is that it? <laughs> that it? Oh, dear. Last guy didn't get. Okay, last guy didn't get. You big. You big. We small. Small, so we better go. Yeah. Where are you going? England. Right. So they are going okay. to England now after that scene. But we do figure out that Bobby is kind of a smarter guy than they are. They try to do the, you know, ass figure says what, and he won't say what. But again, Jim Morrison uh, did tell Wayne to go to England and meet Dell. Dell, goddamn, what's his fucking last name, Anthony? Dell, uh, there, uh, Dell Preston. Dell Preston. Yes. Now the role that Dell Preston is playing is actually a role from another movie. Um. It's an older movie that I have actually never seen, but Ralph Brown's character, Del Preston, is a reprisal of a of something called Danny from a nineteen eighty seven movie of With Nail and I. Uh he does the he has the same hairstyle, fashion, the accent, the mannerisms of the same character from that movie. Uh not a movie I've seen, but that is an it, it's an actual, you know, movie that he reprises the role from yeah wow. again nice. didn't know he even reprised that role didn't even know what that was about but uh finally they do get to england and again they're like b- before this they're like wow i'm surprised they really sent us to england i figured they just use doubles and they do uh yes. you can see they're rolling around england and it's just they never turn around the maps in their face but they do finally end up at dell's house and uh, I'll go ahead and play a little bit of that for you, too. Hello? Dell? Ah! 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 Real quick, when they do finally encounter Dell, he is sleeping, but he is sleeping upside down. Um, I believe they call him gravity boots. Is that what they're called, Anthony? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Gravity yeah. boots. You know, you're yeah. on a pole, you hook yourself to it, and you sleep upside down. So that is what he's doing. So now you got a little bit of understanding of what's going on. Preston. Uh, yeah. Mark. Oh, real quick. <laughs> Who are you? Not the wrestling show, but there's an urban legend that uh, Brian Pillman used to bang chicks with these gravity boots, which makes him even more of a <laughs> which makes him even really? more of a fucking man. Dude, yes. that's that's fucking Lot amazing. That is absolutely fucking man, absolutely dude. That is, <laughs> that is that is now on my fucking bucket list. <laughs> I want it. Yes, yep. That's my goal. Yeah. I heard. Yeah, I said yeah. You want to get in shape? Fuck the health and all that. Living the, living to be old, man. I want to. I want to get in good enough shape. Fucking chicky gravity boots. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Shaheen says that's on his fuck it list, not his bucket list. I agree with Shaheen here. <laughs> all right, so, all right, let's play a little more of this scene. Here we go. This is Wayne Campbell. I'm Garth Elgar. That's terribly fascinating, man. 
Here you woke me up. How can you sleep like that? Listen, Sonichi. Sleeping like this will add ten years to your life. I learned it from Keith Richards when I toured with the Stones. This may be the reason why Keith cannot be killed by conventional weapons. Okay, so we also so, learn here that Keith Richards cannot be killed by conventional weapons because he sleeps upside down. Keith Richards of the yeah. Rolling Stones, that's right. We all knew there was something, you know, why is he still alive after all the drugs he's done? I mean, this is a guy who literally, you know, like, did heroin with his father's ashes. So, I mean... Now, Box, we're kind of like almost halfway. We're almost at the halfway point. Mm -hmm. I meant to ask you earlier, but what did you think of the uh, Jim Morrison impersonation? impersonation it was decent. It was no Val Kilmer. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah, I figured you was going to say it. I mean, obviously, Val Kilmer, you know, was a little <laughs> might have been a little bit above the pay grade for this movie, but it would have been cool if they if they could have. They got, did. I mean, the guy out. playing him was just fine. He did look a little bit like him. Little, you know, a little bit like him. It wasn't bad. It really wasn't. It, it, it to be honest with you, if they had gotten like Val, it really would have been sort of a oh shit, sort of a downer in the movie because you know it's just a little bit weird. But this guy did his job and he did it well, in my opinion. Yeah. So, all right, we're gonna go a little more with this scene right here. Here we go. How can I be of assistance? You're gonna think I'm nuts, right? But. Someone visited me in a dream and told me that Del Preston would help me put on a concert in Aurora, Illinois. The concert? I'm afraid you've been misinformed. I don't do that anymore. I'm just an old geezer. I mean, what do I know about music today? When I was working, it was all bands like Eric Clapton and the Rolling Stones. I mean, it's not like the Grateful Dead are still together and touring, is it? Well, actually, okay. obviously, right here, he was about to tell Dell that yeah, the Grateful Dead at this time was still touring. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> the Grateful Dead in 1993 was still out and touring. And uh, that's 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 another band I'm probably going to regret never fucking seeing live, by the way, is The Grateful Dead. But um, let's go ahead a little more with the scene. They keep telling him, and Dell actually does say no, but then when Wayne mentions the, you know, Jim Morrison thing, that's when he gets called back, and we'll hear that part right here. Wow. Look at this scrapbook. That's you with Led Zeppelin. Yeah. My old lady put that together. We must have toured every concert hall and venue in America. Me, my old lady, and the road. Is that you and Bob Dylan? Yeah. Who's the old lady? That's my old lady. Listen, it was fun. But those days are gone forever. But we came all the way from America just to talk to you. I'm sorry. I don't do concerts anymore. Come on, let's go. Well, I still think you led a really cool life. 
was nice meeting you. I guess Jim was wrong. Hang about. Was it Jim Morrison? Yes! Amazing. Did he have a naked Indian? Yes! Wow. I have to ask you. Didn't you think it was a trifle unnecessary to see the crack in the Indian's bottom? Yes, absolutely. I had the same dream. So there we go. We find out Dell had the same dream that Wayne had. The exact same dream. So he does end up flying back to uh, America with them to help him put on the concert. And from there, we go to a scene. Now, Anthony, this scene here is where Christopher Walken, Ben, Ben, is on the phone, Bobby, sorry, is on the phone with, this is again where we get the uh, Mr. Big character back again. Right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, Frankie Sharp. Frank, Frankie Sharp. Thank you. I, Sharp. For some reason, I thought he was Frankie Figs. That's a completely different fucking movie. You know, what? That, 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 that's Get Shorty, isn't it? And oh yeah, real quick, you know, another tie-in. This okay, is my yeah moment of the week. Uh, Frankie Sharp. Does he look familiar? A to little you? bit. Where is he from? One of my all-time favorites. My top. One of my top three. Goodfellas. He was Tutty. Holy shit! Yes. And then for a brief time in the uh, mid eighty in the late eighties, he managed Michael Jackson. So this man is really? a pretty fucking big deal. Oh yes. my god, I do remember him. You remember Teddy? Yeah, like when he threw the uh the uh, mailman yeah. in the uh, oven in the fucking oven. And the guy that told the kid, uh oh, kid, I can't believe you wasted fucking eight aprons on this guy. Yes. Yes. So like as soon as I heard the as soon as I heard his voice, I'm like, I know that. Now dude. that you now that you say that, Tutty. I completely fucking just put two together. That is exactly yeah, you're right. Holy fuck, man. Nice move. Very nice. So here, yes. I am going to, for, but awesome, dude. But from here, we do hear the part where this is where Christopher Walken actually tells Frankie Sharp that, you know, the band is decent, but he's going to get rid of the band and get rid of the boyfriend, Wayne. So we find out right here exactly what Christopher Walken is up to. Here we go. Bobby, did you get the tape? What'd you think? Definitely, she sounds great. Yeah, the band is terrible. It's a garage band. They can't, I'm sure. I'm working with them. I'm, I'm still in this studio in Aurora. What the hell are you doing there? She wants to stay here. Why would she want to stay in Aurora? Same reason they all want to stay in Aurora. She's got a boyfriend. Don't worry, I'll get rid of the boyfriend and the band. Also, I'd like to bring her out to LA. Finish the album. All right, Bobby. Let's just get it done, okay? So there you go. Right there, he's looking to get rid of Wayne and the band. Give her a whole new band. And um, from there, we go to the scene right here where Dell, again, came back to America with them. And he's telling a story about brown M&Ms that Ozzy wouldn't go on stage without him. This is funny. This is a story about an uh, 
it's kind of a urban myth, urban legend. Van Halen really did have a writer in their contract. Um, you know, but besides the, you know, towels and catering and things like that they wanted, they said that there must be a bowl of M&Ms backstage, but with all the Browns removed. The reason Van Halen did this was just to see if anyone read the writer. Now, it was kind of weird how they did that. Now, the one show where they didn't read their writer was the one show that the actual stage crashed on them. So this is sort of based off of actual legend. And like I said, you know, Van Halen really did have this writer just, just to make sure people read, read it. Yeah. It is. It is a little weird and ingenious at the same time. But we do now get the, I'm definitely going to play the story that Dell tells. And here it is right now. Formerly Salon at three o'clock in the morning, looking for 1,000 brown M&Ms to fill a brandy glass, or Ozzy wouldn't go on stage that night. So, Jeff Beck pops his head round the door and mentions there's a little sweet shop on the edge of town. So, we go, and it's closed. So there's me and Keith Moon and David Crosby breaking into this little sweet shop, right? Well, instead of a guard dog, they've got this bloody great big Bengal tiger. Well, I managed to take out the tiger with a can of mace. But the shop owner and his son, that's a different story altogether. I had to beat them to death with their own shoes. Nasty business, really. But sure enough, I got the M&Ms and Ozzy went on stage and did a great show. Wow. All right, so there we go. There's the story. Now, he did, unfortunately, have to beat the shop owner and his father to death with with, with their own shoes. But, you know, you do what you got to do. Now, Anthony, we get into the Ed O'Neill yes. part now. Another, another legend. Ed O'Neill really, again, didn't have a huge part in this movie. But I do believe in this little scene right here, he plays Al Bundy more than anything. He's got the mannerisms, the actions, you know, and it's just, this is total Al Bundy here. So, as usual, I'm playing the part. Here we go. So, Wayne, I hear you're putting on some kind of concert. That's good. People need to be entertained. They need the distraction. I wish to God that somebody would do something to block out the voices in my head for five minutes. The voices that scream over and over. Why do they come to me to die? Why do they come to me to die? Okay. All right. Al Bundy, little fuck up. Why do the voices come to him to die? Why? Why do they come to him to die? Anthony, why? Tell me why. <laughs> uh, only thing the scene was missing for me was like a, a Peggy, <laughs> Peggy Bundy <laughs> appearance, just so he could do that. My favorite line from him on a children, all of episodes. 
Al, do you ever miss me with every bullet so far? <laughs> that's a, I'm sorry. And as long as that show is on, many great lines, but that's my favorite yeah, one. Yeah, that's of a all good one, time. man. Um, from there, we go to another scene right now. They're driving Wayne and Garthar. They're in the, uh, the Pinto, the Mirthmobile. And we get a little Jurassic Park reference right here. They're trying to read the map and they pull the map away and there's a, you know, giant dinosaur there. So a little Jurassic Park reference there. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure why they threw that in. Uh, Jurassic Park did come out six months after this movie, by the way. So, or this movie came out six months after Jurassic Park, sorry. So, they threw that in there pretty fast. Kind of weird how they did that, but they did. Uh, And we do end up now where they know they have to go to the, you know, recreation department, find out where and how they put on a concert. And one person we did not mention from this movie, Anthony, is Kevin Pollack. Kevin Kevin Pollack right now yes. shows up in this movie. Um, Kevin Pollack, in my opinion, is another underrated actor. Been in a ton of movies, but doesn't get the 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 accolades he deserves, in my opinion. Um, did movies with Denzel, uh, you know, Denzel, uh, Ricochet, if you remember, with him and John Lithgow and Kevin Pollack. Great fucking movie. Uh, the whole nine yards, the whole ten yards. He was in both of those movies, but this guy, Usual Suspects. Usual suspects yeah. Kevin Pollack does an incredible William Shatner, which is kind of what he's known for. But uh, they do in very underrated, very underrated, in my opinion. We just—I don't know how we forgot to mention him, but we did. But we do see him right here, and this is also the scene where Garth meets Betty Lou which is basically his female doppelganger. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So here we go. Let's go ahead and roll some of this part. Stock, you would purposely invite the rock and roll element into our community? Well, what's wrong with a little entertainment? Entertainment is fine, but this... you know, we have lots of big acts that come through here. Ice Capades, Tiny Toons, Kenny G. Kenny G. All right, real quick, right here, when he mentions Kenny G, as they're going through here, you're going to hear a drill. It's basically um, Garth lying in a dentist's chair while the dentist is doing work on him. So basically the joke here is, Kenny G is about as interesting as getting dental work. That's basically <laughs> the joke here, and I'll play a little bit of this. So, what, we don't even get to apply for a permit? Yeah. We would love to put on a rock concert. Not. <laughs> oh, yeah. Betty Joe, could we have the uh, permits for a festival, please? By the yes, way, sir. I called her Betty Thank Joe. You. Her name is Betty Lou. Excuse me. Anyway, here we go. You, you'll need to fill out the uh, necessary permit applications. Permit applications. Thank you, you Betty Joe. Oh no, Betty Joe. Hey. 
You're the guy that's on that Wayne World show. <laughs> Ready, Joe? Yeah. Thank you. All right, then. Naturally, you'll need the necessary application for authorization, approval from the guilds and unions. Uh, you'll need some release forms, the uh, decibel level. What? Is something wrong? Huh? What do you mean? It's my eye, isn't it? Why would we want to look uh, at your eye? his eye. Anthony, have you, you remember the eye, obviously. Uh, he does talk yes. about the eye a little bit. He is a partial blah, blah, blah albino, which we'll get in this scene right here. I'll tell you, it'll tell you exactly what he is. But Kevin Pollack basically has like a, uh, a Marilyn Manson eye where <laughs> one eye is blue, one eye is dark brown. And uh, I just wanted to explain that. And here we go. Something wrong with that weird eye? There's nothing wrong with my eye. This one just has no pigment. You see, I'm what you call a partial ocular albino, but I'm fine with it. I have perfect 20-20 vision with both eyes. Mr. Campbell, you're serious about putting on a rock concert. Are you kidding? I'd give my right eye. You both realize there are certain jurisdictions you'll need to follow. Well, I'd like to think that I have an eye for details. Huh. I'm assuming, of course, you have the $5,000 occupancy permit or you wouldn't even be here. Excuse me? A baking powder? $5,000 occupancy permit? Yes, we have that, actually, yes. Piece of cake. Fine, then all forms and applications must be filled out in triplicate and returned to this office no later than 10 working days before the event with the money. Okay, well, we'll take these home, run through them with a fine-tooth comb, cross the T's and dot the... Lowercase J's. There you go. So we get a bunch of uh, eye jokes after, of course, they're staring at his eye. They unintentionally make those eye jokes. But still, they're funny. Yes. Yes, nowadays, they be accused mm. of bullying and, you know, you know, picking apart, you know, a physical ailment that somebody can't yeah. help. I mean, even, even though it's like a tongue-in-cheek type scene, you know, somebody would find a way to turn it into something. Exactly. Now, in the next scene, Wayne is um, falling on top of Cassandra, and he's going, oh, I fell down. Oh, I fell down. Now, if you remember, though... He actually does this scene in Austin Powers. He yeah, just uses a different accent and does the exact same scene when he's on the jet with uh, Vanessa Kensington, um, Elizabeth Hurley in the first movie. So this is actually a little bit of a <clears throat> not a not a not a not a foreshadowing, but. He does reprise this scene in another in in one of his other movies, uh, the the first House and Powers. Yes. Wow, box, look at you! Ah, look at I am bro. bro. Don't blame me. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and take credit when people can go to IMDb and see the same goddamn thing I'm I'm saying right here. But uh, after that, he kind of asks. Cassandra, 
you know, are you and Ben having an affair? He basically, you can tell he's insecure about, about uh, not Ben, Bobby. He's, I'm still on the first one. He's basically very insecure about Bobby. He realizes Bobby is a very sophisticated guy, smarter than him, has money. And uh, we go ahead and play that scene from there. Sandra. Why do you go out with me? I love being with you. Most guys are jerks. You're a good person. Wait, let me show you what I got at a garage sale. Well, what'd you get? Isn't that great? You what? heard of it? Uh, excuse me, have I ever seen this one before? Frampton Comes Alive. Everybody in the world has Frampton Comes Alive. If you lived in the suburbs, you were issued it. Came in the mail with samples of Tide. Look at this old one. Jerry and the pacemakers. Wow, that is old. You know, I bet those guys actually have pacemakers by now. Can you believe they're not making vinyl anymore? It's weird, isn't it? That is weird. Bobby said my album will never, ever be on vinyl. Oh, Bobby says. Are you and Bobby having an affair? No, of course not. Where did you hear that? Well, you know how these things start. One guy tells another guy something, and then he tells two friends. And they tell two friends. And they tell their friends. And so on, and so on, and so on. You know how these things go. No, honestly, Campbell, I am not having an affair. I'm nice to him because he's my producer. But if this record deal falls through, I lose my visa and then I have to go back to Hong Kong. But you have nothing to worry about, Wayne. Okay. Hey, my dad's coming to visit. I'd really love you to meet him. Yeah, treat. I'm sure he's just going to love me. Yeah. So there you go. So we... He does ask her about the affair with uh, Bobby, and he also finds out that her dad is coming down. Um, her dad, again, played by James Hong. Now, he's a, di- a, a kind of a, a different character in the movie, and even though, um, you know, when, when we will play that scene in a little while when, when they do meet his dad... Um, they do a little English dubbing with him, but he actually speaks perfect English and actually did some of the auto dubbing work for movies like uh, Game of Death, Bruce Lee's last movie, uh, Exit the Dragon, not Enter, but Exit, which was a sort of, you know, not a parody, but a copy of Bruce Lee's movie, and uh, Enter the Tiger, which was another sort of spin-off of the Enter the Dragon movie. So, you know, he's he's been around this guy. But uh from that scene though, we go to the point where Garth meets Kim Basinger. Uh he's there doing his laundry again. Garth is finally on his own. He's living on his own. And uh we hear a little bit of that scene right now where he tells about living on his own. Hi. I don't recall ever seeing you in here. Well, maybe it's because it's my first time in here. That's right, my mom used to do all my laundry, but I do now. I'm what you call sans parents. Oh. I can go to a movie on a school night like that. Well, welcome to the neighborhood. Oh, yeah, do the... Would you like some red rope licorice? 
Why, sure. Okay, so here he offers her a little red rope licorice, and she starts licking it pretty damn sexy. Anthony, what do you wish that was? Oh. <laughs> I, 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 I hate black licorice. Oh, you can have Jesus. Damn, Anthony, <laughs> getting dirty. You're right. So it should be black robe licorice, yes. is what you're saying, right? Should be like John Cena licorice. Good gods, how's am I going to get to <laughs> WrestleMania? Oh, wrong show. Okay. Uh, okay. But I, I got to say, though, right off the bat, I, I, you know, like I said, I did enjoy mm-hmm. this movie. You enjoyed this movie. I, I especially enjoyed Garth's. Yeah, and you know what's here. funny? Garth was. A little bit, yes. Yeah, and you know, Garth was actually a little, not Garth, but Dana Carvey was actually a little bit pissed off with the lack of time he was given in this movie um, when it was first shot. But it was early in production, and finally they added his love interest, Honey Horney, which we will in, we, she will introduce herself as in a minute. Um, but the script was incomplete. And he didn't realize that there was a whole another part in this movie for him with Kim Basinger. So I'm going to play a little more of this part, and then we'll uh, roll a little bit more. What's your name? Garth. Garth Algar. What's yours? I'm Honey. Horney. Nice to meet you, Miss Horney. That's Horney. It's French. Oh, okay. Miss Horney. <laughs> so, Garth, would you like to have dinner some night? Oh, I like to have dinner every night. No, I mean us. You and me. Would you like to have dinner some night? A, 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 a date? Finally, it took All like right, two so hours. Kind of asks out Garth here to a date for dinner. Uh, he goes to get his laundry, which is finally ready. He said it took like two hours. When he goes to pull out his laundry, it's all shrunken. But uh, he does say he likes some uh, teeny. Uh, uh, war- I don't. I forget what he even says. But anyway, he does end up leaving, and um, he's obviously here. We go. Hold on. Oh, anyway. So long. He uh, he leaves, and he's obviously uncomfortable around Kim Basinger, obviously, because she is amazingly gorgeous, and he's not quite sure what to do. But she hands him his underwear, which are completely tiny, and they rub thumbs, which obviously turns him on in some strange way. But, but apparently he didn't go. To, he didn't go to the boxman school again. Magic dude, chicks get some all magic. The time. Chicks dig chicks dig magic, dude. <laughs> as much as they dig scars, bro. Box, you would have pulled out. Let me guess, you would have pulled out the scarves, the wraps. You would have top hat, the whole nine. Dude, all you need is a fake thumb and a fucking a stick with fucking stickers on it. Trust me. Um, would have did the quarter behind the ear trick. That's not a bad dude. Chicks dig that trick. <laughs> Again, the thumb comes in handy there. The fake thumb comes in handy there too. Uh, but 
All right. Anyway, now we go to a scene where uh, they're still in Aurora. We go to Cassandra and Bobby, and they're in the studio. She realizes she forgot. To, she's like, "Oh my god, I, 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 you know, I didn't realize how late it was. I missed Wayne's show." And they do turn on Wayne's show, and Bobby's kind of like, you know, these guys are sort of not what you really should be hanging out with. And we let's go ahead and play that scene. So we're in a doll factory, right? It kind of reminds me of that movie, The Leprechaun. You remember with that little oh, guy yeah. who goes, I'm the leprechaun. Scott, <laughs> I'm the leprechaun. Cool it, okay? I'm the leprechaun. Stop it, all right? All right so we're doing the guard, the, uh, where uh, Wayne is doing the leprechaun thing. Obviously, he's got a flat, you know, he's got a flashlight to his face. He's doing the thing from the leprechaun movie, which was actually a big movie, believe it or not. So he's. Yeah, exactly. So yes. he's obviously kind of going through here and just sort of making fun of the old leprechaun thing. But uh, during the scene, he's actually using the same accent that he uses in uh, So I Married an, so an Axe Murderer, Austin Powers, and Shrek. So right here in this movie, we're sort of getting a prequel to some of his other movies and some accents he'll be doing later on down the road. So, wow, that's some of, that's Nicky Bastard. It, it's almost like he was uh, auditioning those characters almost, for the audience. In this movie. But uh, obviously, he does a Scottish accent with Fat Bastard in Austin Powers. So, but uh, play a little bit more of this. And obviously, Garth is really scared by the leprechaun, and that's kind of the uh, premise of this scene. Oh, why do you hang around with these guys? Because they're fun. If I wanted a guy that was all drive and ambition, I could have stayed in Hong Kong. Back that guys like that are 12 for 10 cents. You mean a dime a dozen? Maybe where you shop. I think you underestimate them. They really shop. Stop it, leprechaun man. Chill, chill, chill. Chill. Who do those monsters do to you, sweetie? I'm not. Sweetie. Stop it, sweetie. Sweetie. Come on, sweetie. Come on. Pixie dust. Pixie dust. Sweetie, it's me. It's me. The leprechaun. Oh, yeah, these guys, really sharp. So he's still still doing the leprechaun. He's scaring the shit out of Garth. But, you know, Bobby's not really convinced in this part. He's kind of like, oh, these guys are kind of weird. I don't understand why you hang out with them. But, you know, she, she does. But now we get to the part again where he does meet her father. Um, he's not very impressed with him. They actually end up doing a, uh, a dubbed scene where they do everything in voice dubs like an old martial arts movie. And me being a martial arts fan, I actually really love this fucking part. Not going to play much of it because really it's very visual, but uh, there are some very funny parts in this scene. Uh, and again, I mentioned James Hong, you know, all the, they do the dub part, but he is actually, you know, speaks very well English. Uh, and, um, but from there, we go to the part where they're now Wayne and Garth are trying to uh, promote the show. So let's go ahead and hear and promote the show on their show, Wayne's World. Here's the deal. We got a party tomorrow at Comrades. It's kind of a fundraiser for Wayne Stock. That's right. There's going to be a $10 cover charge at the door. It's going to be a big party. And because it's at Comrades, we're going to call it a communist party. <laughs> 
having a fundraiser in order to get the $5,000 they need to do this whole, you know, Wayne's World thing or Wayne Stock thing. Um, yes. yes. Patreon and before Yeah, Patreon exactly. You cool, just kind of go on there. Um, now, while they're doing this, they're separating M&Ms, which is obviously a kind of a little shout out from the first part of the movie. But uh, Wayne is on the phone trying to book these bands and he's doing the best he can. But uh, they do eventually book the bands. But, you know, in the middle of it, the crowd starts getting a little rowdy. Wayne hasn't said anything. So they finally tell Wayne, maybe you should go up and say something. Uh, He's in the middle of talking to Cassandra while he's doing this. Uh, Actually, what I'm going to play is the uh, Chris Farley part. I'm going to start right there as soon as I get there. Give me two seconds here. Um, Della's telling a story, and of course he's telling the same brown M&M story, and Chris Farley walks up. Here we go. M&M's to fill a brandy glass, or Ozzy wouldn't go on stage that night. So, Jeff Beck pops his head round the door and mentions there's a little sweet shop on the edge of town. <laughs> hey, Wayne. Hey, Garth. Hey, Milton. Hey, Milton. How's it going, man? Awesome party! Good tunes, good brew, good buddies. I feel great, man. I feel great! <laughs> I don't know, man. I hate my father. I hate my life. But I feel great, man. You guys are great. I'm gonna go pick a fight. He's gotten a lot better, don't you think? Way better. Yeah. He'll be back in a bit. There we go. They finally meet Chris Farley. We we finally meet Chris Farley. Milton, as he's known as in the movie. Um, and Cassandra shows up with Christopher Walken, Bobby. They talk a little bit. Wayne and Cassandra do. And... She finds out that, you know, he invited her to L.A. And um, they get a little, you know, upset at each other. But this is also where we get the part where Garth is sitting here. Anthony, this is the part you mentioned before. Garth is sitting there talking about how grown up he feels. As he's doing it, he is swinging every woman going by. I got to play this part. Here we go. Yes, her awesome. train, you know, because your mom doesn't tell you to turn down the stereo and junk like that, you know, which is a real drag. Train, train, you know, because moms are genetically programmed to hate music played at the appropriate level, right? I mean, and my dad, forget about it. Train, 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 train. He can ruin a Led Zeppelin reunion concert, you know what I mean? Train, train, because he hates any music played at the appropriate level. Train, train, train. But the shopkeeper and his son was a different story altogether. To beat them to death right, with their so own shoes. Garth just swinging everybody. We again hear Dell is telling the same story, the brown M&Ms, to Chris Farley. But this is where Lee uh, goes up and tells Garth, uh, I'm sorry, Wayne, you better go say something. The crowd is getting rowdy. Here we go. Wayne? Uh, it's getting a little out of hand. I think you better uh, say something. Okay, we're really glad you could all make it. We never realized that we had 
so many friends who believed in this concert idea. When we first had this idea of putting on this shindig, we didn't know if anyone would come. But look, you're all here, pitching in. I promised myself I wouldn't cry. <sighs> Party on! So we get Wayne's little speech there. Um, and Bobby starts dancing with Cassandra a little too close for Wayne's comfort. Um, and they're dancing to, uh, this, this song, by, by the way, is Bad Company. Can't get enough. Great fucking song. Bad Company is an amazing, amazing fucking band, dude. Seen them. That song, I've seen them six times. Perfectly. Yeah. It's amazing. Wow. I've seen a band that old so many times, but somehow they always ended up at concerts in Florida, whether they were like a middle band or a headlining band, but they were all over there and I saw them a bunch of fucking times. They were great every fucking time. But uh, obviously, I mean, Bobby is basically grinding on her during this song. And, um, you know, I'm not really going to play any, but uh, definitely a little too close for comfort. Um, after that, we get a scene. And again, I'm not going to play any of this scene, but Wayne decides to spy on Cassandra. And they're all dressed up as different parts of the village people. You've got the sailor, the policeman, the construction worker, and uh, the Indian. And yes. they get caught while he's spying on her. And they end up in a gay bar. And they end up on stage doing the YMCA. I... I I would play it, but goddamn, I can't even, I couldn't even do, do it just as playing it. It's too visual, but it is a, an amazing part in this movie, and it's hilarious. But uh, after this part, Wayne is having dinner or lunch, whatever. It look, 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 looks like dinner. It's dark outside, according to the uh, what I see in the windows and with Cassandra. And this is where he asks her, basically he breaks up with her. And she finds out that uh, he was spying on her. So play a little bit of this. Here we go. What's the matter, Wayne? You look like you want to say something to me. I think we should break up. What? Why? Because there comes a time when people should go their separate ways. I mean... I've got Wayne Stock, you've got your career, and your producer, and I just think it's time that we should see other people. I don't want to see other people. Well, what about Bobby? What about him? Oh, come on! Do you think I'm a gullah bull? Or even a gullah calf? I have no idea what you're talking about, Wayne. Sure, right! Come on now! What about these? Where did these come from? I did a little detective work. You did spy on me. Yes, I did. She finds out he spied on him. He did a little bit of detective work, but he also got punched in the fucking nose for it. So that's basically how that worked out. 
Um, Anthony, I hate to do this one yes. more time, but God damn it, I have to fucking race like a piss horse. So, we are going to take one more little break. This is a piss break. I apologize to everybody, but we're going to go ahead and do it, and we will be right back. See y'all in a minute. Bye. Yes. All right. Sorry about that. If I didn't piss, goddamn, I was going to fucking explode. But anyway, we are back. Yes. This movie would have turned into this show would have turned into a water war review. Oh, and I hated that fucking. Uh, but anyway, so finally, <laughs> they're getting this concert together. They've got Dell, and this is where we get Dell's first little speech. Um. After Mike Myers, by the way, is being catered away in the ambulance from Cassandra hitting him. And we we get one of Dell's little speeches. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen! Your roadie training begins today. It will not be easy. You will get tired. You will get blisters. You will get aches and pains, but you will also get good. Are you ready? Yes, sir! Brad is president of Camp Four, sir! Well, let's begin. All right. So training, what he's doing is he's literally pulling the microphone down, and as they run out to run out there to get it, he's shooting tennis balls at him. It's kind of yes. fucked up and pretty goddamn funny, but of course, the part where Chris Farley goes up there and runs out there is the funniest part. And of course, it's Chris Farley. I'm gonna fucking play a Chris Farley part. And this is where he gives him basically the officer and a gentleman speech. Yes. Yes. Yes, the I got nowhere else to go speech. So let's go ahead and roll a little bit of this and then we'll roll on to the next scene. You're worthless. You're less than nothing. What's keeping you here? You don't belong here. Why don't you just quit? Cause I got no place else to go. Alright, once again, that is a scene from uh Officer and a Gentleman, uh Richard Gere, Lou Gossett Jr., right? Yeah, Lou Gossett Jr. Um and from that scene, Garth does finally go out with Honey, Hornet, and we go to the scene where he first walks in. And I'm going to go ahead and play a little bit of this scene, too, just because, I don't know, what the hell. Thanks for coming in with me. I'm always a little afraid to come in by myself. (laughs) 
Monica. Come on. Sit down. And I'll fix this little drink, okay? <laughs> now, Garth is extremely uncomfortable here. By the way, Kim Basinger is in a... Yeah, she, she's in a tight white dress, looking great. Um, if you notice, it must be cold in that room, if you know what I'm saying. Yes, okay. Uh, <laughs> it must be cold in that room, but uh, you know he's extremely uncomfortable and doesn't even know what to do. She goes over, pours him a drink, and you know he. Obviously, he doesn't even know what to do with that, but uh, I'll play a little more of this scene. Huh? <laughs> I love the way those big, thick glasses magnify uh, your pupils. She's basically hitting on Garth here, and he doesn't even know what to do now. Yes, yep, go, go, go. Before you go any further, as I take uh -huh. a sip, in the in, <laughs> in the culture in African American, do you know we would refer to a Kim Basinger in the scene? Reparation. Oh. Yes, this is what this was. If, the, if, if Garth were the brother, this scene would have been played <laughs> totally differently. Jeez. <laughs> what, a guy at the door? Yeah, and she, <laughs> she's literally standing in front of him, shaking her ass. And he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, his glasses are fogging yeah. up. He doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Now, she does end up eventually kissing him, and he floats in the air and falls down. Now, he really did fall during that the cable gave away <laughs> so he not only hit but he hit hard in that movie um so yeah definitely one of those little uh little things there he he did hit the floor extremely hard now another funny thing about this movie before we go on a little bit three of the members of this cast have been in batman films Kim Basinger was Vicky Vale. Christopher Walken right, was in Batman right. Returns as Max Shrek. And Drew Barrymore was in Batman right. Forever as Sugar. So three of these characters have, have actually had, you know, roles in a Batman movie. Um, so, again, let's go ahead and roll a little bit here. Um after that scene, we sort of go to, you know, he's, uh, <clears throat> oh, excuse me there. Damn it. Almost fucking burped up. But yeah, Garth obviously nervous, doesn't know what to do around uh, Kim Basinger. 
Now, we do go to a scene where after this night, Garth does... Garth bangs her. (laughs) Yes, he does. We don't really find out until the next little scene here. And uh, let's go ahead and go to it where Garth finally comes out. And he is a man. One second. Here we go. And she carries him to the room, by the way. Can I have some cocoa later? Good morning, darling. I trust you slept well. I hope I wasn't too much of an animal. Come. Hold me. You know I will. So there we go. Garth and his bubble pipe have become a man. She gave him the uh, cheap plug. She had to. He did. She carried him in the room and banged him. Um, now we do go to yes. another scene where <laughs> they, uh, Wayne and Garth are, are from here. They're playing, uh, kind of playing hockey in their room. Um, I, I roller hockey. That's what you call this game. They're on, you know, rollerblades playing hockey. This is obviously kind of, again, paying homage to the other, to the original, uh, movie where they do the scene where they're playing roller hockey. And uh, here we go. Bobbing. He's weaving. He winds up. Are you all right? Women. I feel like I've been placed in the delete bin of life next to Mahogany Rush. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, relationships aren't for the timid. Yeah. And I should know. For I'm no longer a stranger in the ways of the woman. All right, man. All right. Good work, my friend. On that note, game on. Game on. So there we go. We get the whole little thing where Wayne is complaining about Cassandra, but Garth does tell Wayne that he finally did the deed, if you will. Um, now we get to the scene where Dell is again training the guys. And this is where Dell turns into a complete fucking weirdo. He's talking about, yeah, putting fucking gunmen on the fucking stage and shit. And I've got to play the scene because I can't even do it justice by explaining it. So here we go. And gentlemen, it takes two people to run a concert. One backstage and one out front. Two. One man alone cannot do this. Wayne. You will run the backstage team. Milton, you are the liaison between Wayne's backstage team and Garth's front stage team, which includes myself in the booth. To the left and the right of the stage are the machine gun nests, belt-fed M60 Brownings. Now, these babies tend to heat up, so shoot in three-second bursts. In the event of capture, 
I will personally distribute cyanide capsules to be placed under the tongue like so. Any questions? Uh, yeah, I have a question. When did you turn into a nut bar? <laughs> All right, so... Garth asks... Does finally ask... You know, he's looking to put fucking M60 machine guns out there and shit. And Garth asks him when he turns into a nut bar. But... After that scene is where we meet Drew Barrymore, Bjergen Kurgan. And once again, I am a huge (laughs) Drew Barrymore fan. She is, come on, dude. That girl is absolutely hot, hot, hot. I mean, to this day, still fucking hot. And uh, I'm going to play a little bit of where he meets her because it's just a funny scene. And here we go. By Wayne and Garth, they're gonna give oh, by the way, they also they meet her because they're going to meet Handsome Dan to see what's going on and to promote their show. So that's why they're there. And here we go. Hi, um, we're here to see Handsome Dan. My name is Wayne Campbell. Yeah, I know. We've been expecting you, Wayne Campbell. I am Björgen Kjørgen. Wow, I love your accent. Where are you from? I'm from Sweden. Oh, really? Whereabouts in Sweden? Kjørgen, near the Björgen Fjords. Well, nice to meet you, Björgen Kjørgen, from Kjørgen, near the Björgen Fjords. Hmm, Kjørgen. That's in the Klanargen province, near the Björgen River. Yeah! Now, correct me if I'm wrong, your annual rainfall varies from about 40 inches in the winter to about 200 inches in the summer. And your chief export is modular furniture. I did a project on Sweden in the eighth grade. Well, I am impressed with your quest for knowledge. Educated men are rare. It was really hard. I stayed up all night working on it. Then the next day in gym class, I was on the mini tramp and I got diarrhea. I really wish I hadn't told you that. Well, I am sorry to hear of your illness, but uh, since you have sacrificed your health for knowledge of my home country, I find you very attractive, and I hope to make love to you in the near future. Well, Schmergen. <laughs> okay. So Drew Barrymore right. basically hits on him and says she hopes to make love to him in the near future. Holy shit. <laughs> That'd be a fucking dream come true for me. But then... Box, box, box man's answer. The near future is now, baby. No time time like like the the present, present. baby. But we're not here for a long time, but I'm here for a good time. So, anyway, um, from that scene, (laughs) we from that box man, I I can see box man breaking character. Yeah, like movies over. Movies over. See y'all next time. That's it. Movies over. But from this scene, we do go on and they do meet Handsome Dan. And they're a little shocked to see that Handsome Dan isn't very handsome at all. But uh, let's go ahead and roll this scene because they, when they do get into the studio is where we kind of see that he's like not even listening to them. Uh, he's really just basically sitting there and talking. But uh, I'm going to go and play this scene. And I promise you, we're not going to be that much longer. Here we go. Oh, here we go. And out. Oh, wow. Hi, handsome Dan. It's great to meet you. I'm not handsome Dan. 
Right. <laughs> hey. Hi. Dancing Dan. Back with you on WBIG Maximum Grunt. <laughs> All right, our special guest right now, Wayne Campbell, Garth Elgar, Wayne's World, Wayne's World. All right, talking about Wayne Stock, very exciting, big event. Everybody's excited, huh? Uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a big concert at Adlai Stevenson Park. Uh huh. It's just going to be a big party. You know, we got uh -huh. some great bands coming. Uh huh. Like Aerosmith. Uh huh. I just want to remind everybody that there's still plenty of tickets left. Uh huh. But that's no reason to wait till the last minute. Uh huh. Because it's just a a chance for the city of Aurora. Mm hmm. To do something. Uh-huh. Fun. Uh-huh. And to put the city on the map. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. Oh, well, <laughs> work is hard. You're not really listening to me, are you? Uh-huh. I mean, I could say anything right now, like, you're a complete tool. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't hear it, because you're a freak with a microphone. Uh-huh. It's not even challenging anymore. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Isn't that true, sphincter boy? Uh-huh. What? Oh! <laughs> They're getting closer all the time. All right, good information about Wayne Stock. Very exciting. We'll be back with more right after Pig Sports. Right now, it's 16 minutes past the big hour. Is that not right, Mr. All right, so there we go. We do find handsome Dan, and he's not so handsome, and he's not even listening to him. They even call him sphincter boy, and he doesn't even fucking flinch. So, obviously, just not even listening, going through the motions. Um, but... They're doing the best they can. They're trying to promote their little thing. Uh, now, from that scene, we go to the next scene where Wayne is trying to call Cassandra. And Bobby answers. And Bobby tells him he doesn't know where Cassandra is. But, of course, he does. He's with her. And that's the scene I'm going to play for you right now. Here we go. Hi, Bobby. It's Wayne Campbell. Wayne, how'd you get this number? Uh, it was written on the back of a business card. Uh, hey, uh, I'm looking for Cassandra. Do you know where she is? I have to talk to her. It's really important. Cassandra? No, I haven't seen her. She said she might come to L.A. She wasn't definite. Yeah. If I hear anything, I'll let you know. I have to go. I'm with someone. I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't help. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Important call? Ah, some small-time promoter. So once again, we see what Bobby's up to. He's trying to get Cassandra. Obviously. Um, once again, though, Wayne, of course, has another dream. He's sitting there rolling around. The naked Indian comes to him. And he goes to see Jim Morrison again. This time, Jim Morrison is talking once again to uh, Sammy Davis Jr., who we said again was played by uh, Tim Meadows. Now, the little, the strange, one of the stranger little things in there, uh, Jim Morrison, portrayed by, uh, is talking to Sammy Davis Jr. Jim Morrison and Sammy Davis Jr. actually have the exact same birthday, December 8th. Yeah, wow, so nice. little, you know, not like some, you know, huge thing, but a little bit of a correlation between the two. They do share a birthday, and uh, I'm going to play this part a little bit right here. Here we go. 
Peter Lawford warned Kennedy not to mess with the military-industrial complex. Yeah, dig this, man. J. Edgar Hoover was one bad cat. I mean, he had a completely different bag from Jack. I mean, he just couldn't groove. And when two cats can't groove to the same tune, one of them has to visit the man upstairs. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Excuse me. Hey, Wayne, I want you to meet a friend of mine, Sammy Davis Jr. Wow. Nice to meet you, Mr. Jr. Nice to meet you, too, man. I got a split, man. I got some cats I got to hang with. Bye, Sammy. He's a good man. And now, Wayne, what can I do you for? Listen, Jim, I'm really confused, okay? We haven't sold any tickets yet. None of the bands have signed. Garth is distracted by chicks. I broke up with my girlfriend. And on top of all of that, Dell's gone completely mental. To complete your journey, you're going to have to help some people along the way. This next little bit, you're going to have to go it alone. Keep the faith, my friend. If you book them, they will come. Hey, Sammy, wait up. Hey, Jim, what if nobody shows up? Jim! There we go. Jim tells them, don't worry. If you book them, they will come. Obviously, this is a reference to uh, Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner. Have you ever seen that movie, Anthony? Uh, yeah, same here, time. man. But obviously, it's a reference to that. You know, obviously, if you build it, they will come. He builds a baseball field, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, um, the next scene here, we go to he, um, he being Bobby, is sitting there with Cassandra, and they're in front of uh, Frankie, who, uh, you know, Mr. Big from the last movie. And they're sitting there in front of him, and this is where he finds out that she's going to do this Wayne Stock thing. But, he, again, he's the big promoter, and I'm going to play a little bit of the scene for you just to kind of sum everything up. Here we go. I understand. Nervous? A little. Never been on The Tonight Show before. Nothing to worry about. After the show, I thought we After might... the show, I have to fly back to Aurora. I'm doing Waynestock, remember? Waynestock? What's this Waynestock thing? It's nothing. It's something she has to do. Hold on a second, Mom. Listen, Bobby's put together some great musicians. You're making a great album. Together, it can't miss. You're in good hands. He's the best. You listen to Bobby, and you're going to be a big star. A big star. Mo? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, we're almost out of time, but I'd just like to point out that there are still plenty right, of so from excellent... that scene, we roll into the scene where uh, Wayne and Garth are promoting their show, and I'm gonna I'm just going to keep going with the scene, but I just, just want to kind of, since it cut so abruptly, um, that's what we're doing now. This is where they're promoting their Wayne Stock thing, telling people that there's plenty of tickets left. Actually, most of the tickets are left. And that's where we're going to roll from, right there. Tickets still available. Actually, there are about 10,000 excellent Wayne Stock tickets still available. And I'd also like to address a rumor. There's this rumor that none of the bands have signed and that probably no one's going to show up. Well, it's true that none of the bands have signed. Jim Morrison and his weird naked Indian friend visited me in the night and assured me that all the bands are going to come. 
All right. Yeah. All right, well, that's all the time we have for this week. So until then, good night. Party on, Garth. Party on, Wayne. It's Wayne's World! Wayne's World! Party time! Excellent! They end the show, and Garth is sort of skeptical because this whole Jim Morrison and naked Indian thing is a little weird to them. And we'll explain why in this scene right here. Here we go. And we're clear. All right. Woo. Uh, Wayne, you know, I don't know if you should mention that Jim Morrison thing anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's just that um, people have started to talk. You know, they're saying things like, hey, there goes Garth and his friend Wayne. The psychopath. It's embarrassing. No offense or nothing. Oh, no. No, none taken. Bring. I believe this knife is yours. Okay. Yeah. It's just that things have started to look a little bleak. Bleak? What? Hey, no guff, Chet. Until you pointed that out, it hadn't occurred to me. Hey, where are you going? Makita's? Yeah, you know, the usual. Are you going to come? No, no, no. You guys go and have fun. I'd probably just end up embarrassing you anyways. No, no. I'm just going to stay here and lick the cat's butt. Okay. Okay, okay so Wayne is just going to stay there and uh, lick the cat's butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what he said. Jesus yeah, I, I, I have no clue what that one box. Uh, from here, Wayne is watching TV, <laughs> and he's uh, just kind of watching Cassandra. And, you know, she's waving at Bobby and Jay Leno. Quick cameo from Jay Leno. Kind of uh, brings out Bobby. And, um, you know, he, of course, pledges that, oh, yes, she will be mine again. And I'll play that scene real quick. She will be mine again. Oh, yes. She will be mine again. You're terrific. They loved you. You think so? Are you kidding? Listen to them. They loved you. Me too. You know, I didn't think I could do it without my band, but the guys you put together were so hot. Damn, I had fun. Good. Let's celebrate. <laughs> okay. Did, did you get any thought to what I said? Uh, yeah. I'm still thinking about it. Give me a week. Okay. All right. So from here, you know, we see that uh, once again, Bobby is, he really is trying to get Cassandra to not only make records, but he's trying to get Cassandra to be his girlfriend. But uh, we do remember Garth on his own and Kim Basinger. And this is the scene right here where he is in her house once again. And this is where she tells him that not only is she married, but she kind of wants him to kill her husband. And here we go. What's the matter? Is anything wrong? Oh, Garth. Oh, Garth, I'm so scared. Well, is someone hurt you? I mean, I'll take care of it. I'm a grown-up now, you know. It's, it's my husband. You're what? Oh, darling, I meant to tell you, but my divorce isn't final. And he came over here yesterday and he, he, he was crazy like an animal. 
Oh, I wish someone would kill him. You mean kill your husband? No. No, don't say it. You mustn't even think it. I mean, I know you love me, but I won't let you kill my husband. Although, I know you want to. We both know you want to. And then you could have me anytime you want. And I do mean anytime. Get me my cigarettes. Would you love her? They're in my purse. Oh. I'm just so... Whoa. It's a pretty big gun. Oh, darling. With all this talk about killing and 45 Magnus with the clip file down and the safety off. Oh, it's just all so confusing. I, I won't. I won't. He is a dead man. Okay. So, what were you going to say, Anthony? <laughs> awesome. That was. I mean, it was. No, I was going to say. Um, you said uh, Walt, uh, Bobby wanted to make mm-hmm. Cassandra's uh, girlfriend. I don't think that was the case at all, bro. I don't think that was the case at all. He just wanted to tear that that that, that up. Could be. That's all he wanted. No, I, I don't, don't blame, blame him either. Not at all. I don't I blame him at all. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta I ain't mad at him. Light, bro. Uh, but, <laughs> again, we do, uh, you know, he obviously, uh, Kim Basinger is trying to get uh, Garth to kill her husband. And um, he ends up throwing the gun away. He doesn't even want anything to do with it. He leaves. But... Wayne now is having sort of a, oh, my God, what am I going to do moment? And, you know, because the bands haven't signed, the no tickets have been bought. And this is where Wayne sort of, you know, thinks about maybe just saying, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to fucking man up and, you know, do what I got to do and say, all right, look, no bands have signed. We can't do this. But here we go. You know what? I got myself into this. I'm going to get myself out of it. I'm going to take it on a chin, and I'm going to be a man. Keep the faith, my friend. If you book them, they will come. Ah, ah, Okay. All right, man. You got to stop doing that, all right? Oh, man. Hello? (laughs) Oh, my God. Rip Taylor. Oh, my God. How are you? You must be Wayne Campbell. Yes, I am. How are you, Wayne? Very good. (laughs) This must be Wayne stock. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's a little rustic, a little bucolic, but oh, oh, well, I like it. It's cute. Thanks. Uh (laughs) Oh, how are you, Pat? Better get ready for the show. Get dressed. (laughs) You can see him? Well, of course I can see him. I mean, how are you going to miss a half-naked Indian, for God's sake? (laughs) All right. Rip Taylor. So not only does Rip Taylor finally show up, he can see the Indian. Yes, because he technically had the same dream, which we will hear in this scene right here. Here we go, Anthony. Garth Elgar. Rip, you showed up. Cool. Yeah, my people got a call from you, you know. Thank you. And before I could say no, this guy came to me in a dream. I said, who are you? He said, Jim Morrison. I'm a dead rock star. I said, I'm not familiar with your work. So he played me a record from the doors. And I said, well, you appear to be more like a crooner working in the rock milieu, which I like. Why is our order taking so long? So, well, you know, he said, you got to do Wayne stock. So I figured, what the hell? Hey, what's going on? Don't you know? No. <laughs> We're here for Wayne stuff. Same here, dude. 
Really looking forward to it, too. <laughs> Later. Wait, where all these people come from? Garth, this is big. We gotta get back to the playing fields. All right, so... In the middle of Rip Torn being there, or I'm sorry, Rip Taylor, they notice a lot of people are starting to show up. But once again, Anthony, the bands haven't signed. What are they going to do? No one knows. Oh, whatever. Oh, what will they do? But anyway, as they're going, um, Wayne sees a lot of people showing up to the fucking concert. They're showing up to the venue. But as Wayne is doing it, he um, is trying to find Cassandra. And he can't find Cassandra. Finally, he does. And he finds out Cassandra is getting married to Bobby. And he freaks out a little bit. So now we go to the scene where he is contemplating whether or not he should stay there or go. And from there, we roll. I'm in. But I love her. Ah, I'm freaking out. What am I going to do? Go get Cassandra. Dell and I will run the concert. Just go get Cassandra. Be back before we start. Go. There get you out. go. He's going to get Cassandra. Of course. Um, now, he was on the phone with Jeff, who happens to be her dad. And he tells him that he's at the First Presbyterian Church. He does go to the church. He finds out he's actually at the Second Presbyterian Church. And from there, he uh, finally goes to the second one. And this is where he does finally find Cassandra. Uh, She's just about to marry Bobby. And here we go. There you go. He finally finds Cassandra at the cathedral and everyone is mouthing the words son of a bitch. <laughs> even the even the even the fucking priest is saying it. Um but obviously, you know, he does go to find Cassandra and they are you know, she does love Wayne. He does encounter Bobby on the way down but manages to Kind of slip past him a little bit. But uh, finally, we go back to the concert. And it's... Talk about uncomfortable. Garth, again, is trying to run their concert. And here we go with the part where they're doing a sound check. And here we go. Circulating in the crowd. Repeat. 
heard the bad red robe licorice scene. This is actually something that's true. This is actually a scene from Woodstock in 1969 when they were actually warned concert goers to stay away from the brown acid because it was bad. So this is sort of an homage to that movie or to that concert. And uh, there you go, man. <laughs> Which I actually could have did Woodstock. Oh, like I bet it was fucking time. amazing, man. Absolutely fucking amazing. I bet it was. But uh, let's go ahead here. We're damn near. I mean, we got uh, two more clips left. Actually, uh, one more clip left. Uh, Wayne. Yeah. That's right. Wayne comes Basically, back yeah. and he's really trying to figure out why what's going on. Garth tells him what's going on. And this is where we get the three different scenes to this movie. Just like the first movie, we get a few different scenes and here we go. Let's go ahead and play the first one. They do go meet Jim Morrison again. And they're in the desert. Not sure how they're going to get back. But uh, here we go. Wayne. We don't want to end the movie this way, do we? Good call, Garth. If we're going to go down, let's at least go down in glory. Let's do the Thelma and Louise ending. Yeah. All right. So they say let's do the film and Louise ending. Obviously, that's the one where they, you know, die in the car. So they do that, but they don't want to end it that way. They do the happy ending. And of course, we're going to play the happy ending for you right now. Yeah. Let's do the happy ending. Yeah. yeah. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do, guys? We can do it on the stage. You made it, excellent. Welcome to Wainstock. Alright, so there we go. The fans show up. Riptorn is there. Everyone is there. And that's it, man. That is the movie, Anthony. What did yes. you think? Uh, let me see here. Once again, not as good as the first one, but very few sequels are. But I would give this a solid, you know, out of five out of five stars. <laughs> there we go, stars. Fuck dude, that. Raindrops. Dude, I, I would give Absolutely. it you know what? a solid three. We gotta take one more quick break. Um I think my wife just fell. Give me one sec, guys. All right. Sorry about that, everybody. Uh yeah, we're good now. Whew. Anyway. Anyway, Anthony, Wayne's World 2. Um yes. Yeah, man. Another great fucking movie by them. But again, I am one one thing I'm glad about is that he didn't continue with this. And sort of uh, started up the the uh, Austin Powers series with this. Yeah, 
And uh, funny enough, I'm, you know, not been critical of like uh, doing remakes and living too much in the past with some of these, but for some reason, I feel like if they ever decided to do another one, they co- probably could theoretically squeeze out one more. Because it would be cool to see like uh, the kids of Wayne and Garth trying to kind of carry on hmm. the tradition a little bit. Yeah, it would be kind of cool, man. It definitely would be. But um, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that. One more probably could go. But uh, on that note, dude, I got to go uh, tend to the wife. And um, there you go, man. Catch me and Anthony here every uh, Saturday night, 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Mixer.com slash THD Podcast. Don't forget to check out me and Shaheen Wednesday nights. Same thing, Mixer.com slash THD Podcast, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, that's it, man. All right. Appreciate it, Anthony. Take it easy, man. See you next time, bro. Later. Peace. Now go home and get your fucking shine box.